Hello there, folks. Kevin here. Thanks for tuning in. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sound and head on over to our Instagram, Film Friday Podcast. Give it a like, a follow, and, you know, maybe share it with your friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Film Friday. This week we are joined by longtime fan, listener, and personal good friend Tino Marchetti. Am I always saying that name right, or is that? No, you are indeed Marchetti. A lot of people say Marchetti, but <laughs> I just get on with it. Marchetti, yeah, Marchetti or Marchetti head. What? That's that's Italian originally, isn't it? Yeah, Italian. Uh, just don't ask me anything about it. I couldn't tell you why I have it. I think like my, my grandparents, no, my gra- my great grandfather came from Italy. I think at this age, it's a gimmick for me. You, know, just <laughs> you look, but like you look Italian, to be fair. Like you look more Italian than Irish. It's just, it's the beard now it is. It's the mononical. It is. Yeah, Tino has this giant mustache that kind of comes out like an eagle man. <laughs> and like a 1960s My little, man. Yeah. <laughs> yes, your love is tied to the train tracks. Oh, stop. <laughs> um, so yeah, Tino is a lover of the podcast. I'm dying to come on. Oh, yeah. Um, like I said last week, uh, we're tackling a big one this week, you know, so strap yourselves in. Might take a few listens this one, you know, pause it, come back. But we're like, we're taking our time. We're really diving into a masterpiece here. And um, I'm really excited to talk to Tino because he's somewhat of an expert in this subject. But uh, before we get into any of that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> Stop the lights. It's, it's too late now, Tino. I've sold you down well, the road. in fairness, what, like, what this particular movie is 20 years old. And yeah, I have been watching them once a year, every year. And I suppose this particular movie we're about to talk to about the Fellowship of the Ring. So I guess this podcast is 20 years in the making. <laughs> oh, I love it. Before we get into that, uh, Tino, um, Tell the people a bit about yourself. Give yourself some background. Introduce yourself. As Kevin said, my name is Tino and Martino Marchetti, originally from Dublin, Tala. I'm now living in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Jesus, over two years and three, four months. I honestly, God, don't know. It feels like an eternity now at this stage. <laughs> but um, yeah, just working li- here, living a good life. Um, it was actually really funny um, when I was listening to your podcast last week. So when I listened to them, I'm just kind of lying on the couch in the sitting room and listening away. And <laughs> there I was. And they were talking the never ending story. Yeah. I'd never seen it. I was really interested. And then you got towards the end and you were like, ah, next week we have uh, my friend Tino Marchetti. And I was like, he sounds like a fucking idiot. Oh, wait, that's me. <laughs> wait, oh, shit, I'm going to be on the podcast. <laughs> it just hit me there. And I was like, fuck, I'm actually doing this. I was like, whoa. Because obviously I never never done a podcast before, yeah, like yeah. and you know as we've like talked about it, it's like it's almost like, it's like doing a show. In yeah, a way. yeah. It's like weird. A, a part of me was like, will me and Kevin meet up and do some voice exercises first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so me, well, me and T, you know, we went to college. Together. Oh yeah, how we met? Yeah, of yeah, course. we went to college together and we were did acting in college, so we're no bit messer, bit bit messers in college uh, as our. Let's rephrase that. Kevin went to college. <laughs> Kevin studied very hard and has accumulated a very fine career. <laughs> Tito showed up <laughs> with lint in his pocket <laughs> and was like, oh, God. Eh, yeah, I'll, I'll act. I'll whatever. I'll, I'll. I think, remember, we had to do the audition. So, like, for the actual auditions for um, uh, Injacore, 
Um, I remember like we were told that we had to learn monologues and everything else, and just me being typical lazy teen, I just didn't bother my arse. Um, I like, like we skimmed through this monologue, and we we're supposed to learn a song as well. And I got in, and like no acting experience, and never did anything like this before in my life. And we do, and I do it on my little spiel. I can't even remember what I did. I think I did some Greek tragedy. Okay. And like I didn't know what the fuck I was saying. Like, a friend <laughs> gave it to me because she did acting. Right. And uh, she goes, "Oh, do this. It'll be brilliant. It'll suit you." And I was like, "Okay." Didn't even read the play. <laughs> just just read the monologue she told me to do and I tried to read the play I got about three pages in and I was like I have no idea what's going on here and uh, yeah just kind of did what I did and Paul who was our acting teacher well it wasn't then but he just looks at me and goes yeah I like it I love the intensity can you do it on your knees and I was like Jesus Christ what's going on here <laughs> oh god what oh kind god. of course is this Jesus. he's trained by the Weinsteins <laughs> but um yeah but uh yeah so yeah you you, you did all the studying and i was just there for the shit maybe we should have done some vocal exercise i think but i think in our um high quality studio really helps the yeah uh, i'm loving the studio i swear to god if this thing ever makes it big and you end up i don't know what podcast works like obviously they're like radio but if ever makes it on tv it better be film friday in the closet (laughs) yeah as we've said if this is your first time listen this is the first episode you listen to i film all these in the closet. Yeah. It's actually really nice though because we're really cut off. It's intimate. It's very intimate right now. And the fact that we're naked now, I'm just going <laughs> to... <laughs> Our voice sounds so different without the clothes. <laughs> oh, stop, will you? We haven't even started talking about the film. I know, Christ. This is going to be a bit of a roller coaster. So uh, anybody <laughs> listening, just, you know, bear with us. <laughs> we will eventually get to the film. <laughs> oh, God. We're here. Right, Tino so Tino brought presents as well. He brought us a little bit of whiskey. Cheers! Yeah, I know cheers. mostly for the nerves, but sure look. Um, right. So the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah. Well, so anybody who has not um doesn't know about Lord of the Rings, um, it's called Lord of the Rings: Fellowship of the Ring. It was directed by Peter Jackson. It was written by Fran Walsh, uh, Philip Boyens, and Peter Jackson. It was released in two thousand and one. Um, now I'm going to ask you this question Tino as you know what's coming up the budget question but apparently feels like in all your studying you actually know how much about in the box office do you? well of course <laughs> alright well let's fucking play yeah. it and anyway let's say like, studying like this the past like two three weeks me studying was basically me revisiting old friends like as a kid I just used to just love looking, look, looking, looking into this stuff yeah. like, um, so it is a bit of a complex budget it it was 93 yeah. if, if, if that's correct the budget's correct yeah that's yeah. 93 million and um, I believe it made over 880, I think. Yeah, 887.9 million. So when we say the budget, like that, like that was basically New Line Cinema going to Peter Jackson. Um, we're going to give you this. He actually, he, he did a lot of uh, investing himself. He, he put a lot of his own money. Oh, really? This. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of the special effects technology, the way they, the way they uh, did certain shots. On um, top of the 88.7.9 million. I believe so. Now, I didn't get any numbers. This is just me watching documentaries okay. of people talking about it. Nobody turned around and said, he pulled out his wallet and went to Fran Walsh and Felipe Boyne here, 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 here's $20. So, you know, go buy yourself something <laughs> nice. I don't exactly know what exactly yeah. he pumped into it. But, um, like, he was already a, a, an established uh, New Zealand film director. Like, he'd done Heavenly Creatures. Um, he uh, Another film, which I'm failing to remember right now. But he, he was already... He had the money. He had the money. It, it was there. It was there. And like fair play to him as well. Plus, the New Zealand government did help as well. Um, like I suppose this is like because you can go to New Zealand and you can visit the Shire, can't you? And oh you yeah, go to Mount Doom. Oh there, yeah. Pe- people do this little trip 
basically the whole entire trip Frodo and Sam did right. um, in the Middle Earth map, people kind of try and mimic it with um, the Lord with um, New Zealand, That's going amazing. from the north to the south, and it takes like 16 weeks, apparently. That's amazing. If I remember correctly, yeah, and fuck me, yes, I'm going to do that one day. That's amazing, man. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty cool, but um, yeah, so like, yeah, the budget 93, um, yeah. he, he did put a lot of, a lot of his own uh, money and like time and even when we talk about this movie, it's going to be very hard not to talk about the two towers, not to talk about the Return of the King, King because they were all filmed back to back. Of course. Um, if I'm right, I think if I remember this correctly, Elijah Wood's first day on set, I think was him. One of his first days, anyway, uh, I don't know if it was filming or just prepping was him in what we know as the scene in the return of the king when he's actually finishing writing the lord of the rings and sam comes up behind him oh you finished that and we see the hobbit by bilbo baggins and then the lord of the rings by frodo baggins wow and i, I think that they were so they were so confident in how this film was gonna go yeah that they were just like right we're gonna go i suppose if you have a whole country back in you yeah. oh, oh yeah i mean it wouldn't make sense to, to fly them all to one side of the country and we'll film the fellowship and then a week later we'll fly them to another part and do this and then fly them back to do the return of the king it makes more sense that every scene in hobbiton filmed there and then we do our our two tower scene if it needs to be we do our fellowship scene we do our return the king scene oh, so but like, you can imagine like from the actor obviously we kind of both know this from doing plays that especially like when we did like shakespeare we did it from start to finish mm-hmm. you know okay. and these actors had to walk in and you know either like kevin today you're playing frodo baggins and uh you've already come this and far, this and yeah, you've done this, you've done that, and that could be your first day. So you have to get into the character of that. Of of you know, he's been through all of this. Um, so that's the kind of like interesting, a, a, interesting like the way they went about filming. Again, I, I could be wrong with that because I was watching so many different documentaries. I mean, there's and, probably a lot of stuff out there. Like yeah, uh, uh, like uh, I've yeah. said in this doc and this podcast before. Um, try our best to be hundred percent factual, but. Like in saying that most of our information has exactly. gotten from the internet, yeah. and so, and well, you know, I'd like to think that that is true, and I can yeah. say it would make sense. But before we go any further, for anybody, if you have like lived under a rock the past twenty years, um, and you have never seen Lord of the Rings, Tino is going to have ten seconds here. Oh Jesus! So, and don't worry, Tino. Yeah. It's, it's only the Fellowship. I you know, don't yeah. need to get into the other ones. Tino. Oh, well, you're right, actually. Yeah. yeah. So you don't need to tell us about fucking. Return the King, oh, two yeah, yeah, So just yeah. a fellowship, and you have ten seconds. Um, you ready? I'm gonna catch you down. Go. All right. Three, two, one, go. Evil sorcerer loses his piece of jewelry five thousand years later. Big wizard hires midgets with large feet to travel all the way across and cast the jewelry back from whence it came. Oh, very good. That's pretty good, man. You practiced that, didn't you? I'm not gonna lie, I did. <laughs> 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 that's really good man oh, I'm sorry so anybody who enjoyed that and said he's a genius he's not he's had two weeks to think about that <laughs> that was good that's I think that's probably but you know what you threw me off there because I was being a fool because I struggled to look at these as separate movies to me it's one story okay and the entire time I've been thinking about this is one, two, and three. three. You just like threw me off there where we're going, it's only the fellowship. And I'm like, oh my God, it is the fellowship. Yeah, <laughs> this just... is all I have to talk about. <laughs> that was good, man. I think that's the first, Um, I think that's on par with maybe Hartley's for me, Empire Strikes Back Um, for a good summary. Well, no diss to anybody else's summary. They're all yeah. quite hum- uh, humorous, but to actually encompass the whole film in 10 seconds. So that leads us a bit further on. And of all the films that you could have picked, I know you're super passionate. I've known you for years, but mm. like, why this film? Uh, 
Well, since it is Film Friday, I'd like to talk about this from a very more personal perspective as well, not just as, like, you know, being the Lord of the Rings films that yeah. I enjoyed. Um, they represent certain things to me, um, friends and family. Mm-hmm. And I'll explain that through personal experiences. Like, they always came out every December, December, December 17th, 2001, I think is when the first one was released. So it was like the Christmas film. Okay. And, you know, I remember going to see it with my dad, my mother, my, I think my brother Omro came. My two other brothers weren't really that interested. They were teenagers, so you know, they weren't going to go to the cinema with you know, with their parents. Yeah. yeah okay. So um, it represents family, and I have a lot of nice, nice fond memories. And then I believe like I went to see The Two Towers with them, and then I went to see The Return of the King um, with them as well. I don't think my mother came along. I don't think she was too into them. Okay. But I still went with my dad and my brother, and we had that little kind of thing. And then, like, I remember when the two, sorry, the fellowship was first announced. Right. I saw the trailer and I was blown away. Didn't know anything about it. I must have been about probably 10, I think. Right. And I remember seeing the trailer. It was just like around November, September. They kind of start releasing the TV spots. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying it to my dad. And my dad was like, oh, yeah, we'll go see it. And, and my birthday was in January. So he was like, we'll go see it for your birthday. And I was like, yeah, brilliant, perfect. Um, and... I was one of them that I'm still kind of am. Um, I don't give a shit about spoilers. I will do the research. You know, I've looked up movies, read the plot, and then watched the film and gone, wow. You know, that kind of way, yeah. if I'm that interested. So I didn't look, obviously, I don't think the internet was that huge back then. No, I mean, yeah. even at if it was huge, we would have been, we only would have been eight or nine. Yeah, so I think we still do the whole, I don't know if you remember having to do this, you had to like unplug the phone and then get a wire and plug it in so no one could ring the house. You'd have to go to your mum and dad, can I use the internet for an hour? And then you got like three 60 minutes. And the dial up You know, we are showing our, well, yeah, we're showing our age. The little dial in here, yeah. Um, So, I never did anything on the internet but I remember my my, my dad told me um, after I, Sorry, I've, uh, I was in primary school. How do we translate that for the Americans? Um, primary school, translate to Americans. Um, little school. Little grade school. school. Grade school, school yeah. Oh, yes. we, we were 10. We were 10. Yeah, anyway. we were 10. So whatever age you guys were, we were there. Um, I remember like seeing the trailers and then I spoke to my dad about it. And I, I went to all my friends who had gone to see it. We were in school. Yeah. And I was like, tell me everything. Tell me everything. You're like, this happens. That happens. This happens. That happens. And I'm like, yes. They don't destroy the ring. Uh, there's going to be a second one. There's going to be a third one. And I'm like, oh, fantastic. I went and told my dad this. And he looked at me and goes, I'm sure I could have told you that. They're based off books. I've read them. And I was like, they're based off books. Oh, my God, this is incredible. And I go to him, like, what's the first book? Uh, unbeknownst to him with his limited knowledge, he just said The Silmarillion. Um, and I was like, okay, let's let's even though The Hobbit. Okay. The Hobbit, like, The Silmarillion was written in 1977, which actually was not written by Tolkien. It was written by his son. Uh, Tolkien. Well, is it part of? Is that like a book that was part of the world? It's basically the Bible of like the of Middle Earth. So oh, the Silmarillion okay. is like um, uh, different pieces of writing taken from Tolkien throughout the years. Like again, this guy began all this basically back in 1914 when he began writing small poems, um, uh, small tales like Talion, for example, in the games um, uh, Shadow of Mordor is actually, remember I called you the other day and we were chatting, I was like, I yeah. don't think he's canon. He actually is to a certain, certain extent because yeah. he's actually mentioned in one of Tolkien's poems. Very you know? Um, and Well, um, yeah, your dad was saying that. Yeah, so he was just saying, and then I don't know what possessed them to do this, but they handed me the, Sil- the Silmarillion, they had a copy for it, and that is a fucking tough book, and I'm not a reader. 
And so, especially at that age, at that age, 11, uh, yeah, I got a lot possessed. I don't think, no, I don't think he did. I think my brother Amro did. Someone gave it to me in the family anyway. Oh, yeah, go ahead. And I remember, like, I read the first three chapters. Now, when I say read, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going through the words like blah, 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 blah. Mordor, Morgoth. Sarah, <laughs> you know, picking the words that and, you can do, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I, that I can, I can, I can remember. And then I remember I was in little school or whatever the fuck they call it, and um, um, one of my teachers was going by, and he goes, "Oh, Silmarillion, Tino, tough read." And I was like, "I'm on chapter three already, sir." Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. and I've been on chapter three for two years. Uh, uh, it's what twenty what. Uh, 20 years later, I'm still on chapter three. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so like, I just, you know, so kind of me and family had that kind of connection where I was able to go and see them with family. And then like one of my, I only actually remember this when doing all the research. I remember like, I love showing people movies and things that I love. I absolutely love it. Um, so I remember like my mother didn't come and see The Return of the King. It just wasn't her cup of tea. And then I got my hands in the extended edition. Now the extended edition of the Return of the King is four and a half hours long. Jeez. So I convinced her to watch it with me. And I'm one of them where I show someone, I spend half my time, one eye is on the screen, the other eye is on you. Yeah. And rather than just being smart and saying, are you enjoying the film? Yeah. I torture myself when I watch the whole thing, trying to like gauge you and see, can I read your body language? And I like, she time. just sat there with her like feet up, draped up over, arms folded and just stared at the screen the whole time. Right. And I had this like face on her and I was like, I don't think she's enjoying this. Like, you know, like, do I turn it off? What do I do? Yeah. And uh, massive spoiler alert for anybody. <laughs> and if you haven't seen it again, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, so it gets to that final scene, Mount Doom, you know, Frodo yeah. standing there and does the whole thing. The ring is mine. And straight away before the music kicks in, she just goes, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and i was just like i got a fright and she looked at me covering her mouth because she just cursed and tried not to do it i was like 10 or 12 oh, that's so funny. and i knew straight away she's in yes but um so it's got those nice little uh sentimental family moments 100%. and even something as simple as it can be any time in the day you put on lord of the rings my dad could come in from work and he'll just sit down or my brother would just sit down and no matter what stage of the movie you're in someone in the family will sit, sit down in. so much. Not so much my brother Mario. He doesn't like that shit. And fair enough, that's him. He'd look at it and go, this is a load of bollocks. And that's fair. Yeah. You know, not everybody gets fantasy. I understand that. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the friends, even just like you, like for anyone that doesn't know, Kevin, I just rang Kevin to let me into his house. And the first thing I say to him is a line from the Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> <laughs> what about very old friends? <laughs> so the fact that I can I can do that with friends is just so fun. Yeah. And I mean, if you even look at college, oh it's like, so uh, shout out to um, another fellow in college. So we had Tommy, Tom, <laughs> Thomas Davis, who's hopefully listening in. I have a story. And, um, I tell you, I used, the both of you made me need, like, for my, my friendship with the two of you, I needed to go back and watch more Lord Drake. <laughs> because these two, we'd be sitting in the pub and they'd be quoting scenes like, like Tino, like Thomas would come back and be like, they have points? I'm getting <laughs> one. Getting one yeah. <laughs> you have one already. I was only remembering and I don't know if you remember this but it was when we were coming up to Shakespeare and um, it was like two weeks before we were actually about to do the play so everyone's in serious mode you know you gotta hide all of our lines down characters yeah, everything yeah. you know uh, I played Demetrius Demetrius yeah, you yeah. Play, and you play Lysander Lysander, Lysander. Uh, Midsummer's Night Dream Midsummer's Night Dream is, is, is what was what was what we did and um, 
I remember Helena, our voice coach at the time, brought us into this room and we knocked off all the lights. And if you remember, we often lied down and it was pitch black. One of these interesting uh, actor it was, it experiences. Was an actor, yeah. actor thing. Yeah, anyone listening is going to be like, what the fuck did you do? Like, hold on, time, 10 minutes ago, he was on his knees. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In the room, dark lying down. Uh, um, so I remember, and at that stage, I think the exercise was like, we lay there and it was complete silence. And when, I guess, we felt the moment, we connect with our character and begin the line. So mm-hmm. I remember... Of course, it started off a few giggles. Everyone's like, what's going on? You can't help that. Yeah. And um, I just remember it was me, you, Helena and Thomas were all in, in a lion. In a lion. And we were just lying there and we all began slowly doing our lines. And I went quiet for a second. And all I hear is Thomas. All I hear is Thomas going. You shall not pass. <laughs> he's like, what? what? It's like, I am the servant of the secret fire. We'll do the flame of all. And I'm, and I'm like, he's quoting lord of the rings right now and he's just like dark fire will not avail you and i'm just like this is fucking insane we're supposed to be doing shakespeare <laughs> and he's just in the corner so then i decided fuck it i'm gonna do it as well and then i started doing the lines along with him like and we started getting louder and louder and we eventually got to the part where we're like you shall not and then she burst out laughing you burst out laughing and the whole room just started like erupting because we just completely took the piss like <laughs> oh god that was fucking hilarious yeah i mean ugh, yeah even with that i was like yous would say lions and i'd be like fuck i don't know which one that's from yeah um well yeah man like as far as long as i've ever known you that uh, you've always had a love for it and like, yeah. did, did the so the reading of the book obviously it didn't grip you but that never turned you off the film. No, no. I mean, like, so yeah, I tried to do the similar really at a, at a stupid age, and then did that did I that tra- tarnish you? For the... No, no, not at all. No, no, not like the it didn't tarnish the films, but did that tarnish the um the books? Because I know I know that you did read The Hobbit in college, and you did it for a specific project. But did did um did that tarnish the rest of them like you know what i mean like did that reading when you're just like now i think i'm just going to stick with the films the books are just a bit too um not easily no, accessible um, i think? will have to correct you there i, I didn't read the whole ah tino <laughs> so so here's another story <laughs> So oh, I think sake. it was after I think it was after first year of our college and our acting teacher Paul asked us all to read a book and then perform. No, it was in third year. Was it third yeah, year? So it was third year. Yeah, sorry, and when we had to for one of our acting exams, <laughs> we had to read a segment from a book. Game of Thrones. From... It was Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. no, no, that I, I did correct. read. Yeah, I did read. That. You know who did the Hobbit? Thomas. Thomas did do the Hobbit, and, and I and I had done the Hobbit as well. But like I remember, it was it. after first year. And you know, I tried, and like I'm not much of a reader. And, and then Paul had asked us to read a book and then do a piece about it. And it was during summer, and I was like, what, 21, 22, still being a pessimistic, pessimistic child. You know, the summers for playtime and going outside, and yeah. yay. And I, I opened the book up, because we had a copy back at home. And I got him into four chapters in, and I was like, oh, fuck this. And threw it down, meant to go back to it, but before I know it, um, summer was over, and we had to go back. So the <laughs> night before... <laughs> I just, yeah, I just right. wrote this poem. <laughs> I just, I just began rhyming and rhyming and rhyming, and then I just like got up and stood up in front of Paul and all of you's, and I did the poem. And I remember Paul could see you right through. He just, he, he was all went, oh yeah, well done, clap. And Paul just goes, yeah, yeah, very good poetry. Him. I had no idea if I had any re- re- reverence to the Hobbit, but yeah. And yeah. I just <laughs> sat down. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, was like, I did not read that book. <laughs> but um, 
yeah, like I just I was never a good reader, and I'm now getting into that. I've I've read the first three Game of Thrones, and then like because of how the series ended, that did put me off. Yeah, I will go back. Um, I've done the first three Witcher series. Uh, I need to take a break. I'm now I'm reading some guy called Thomas Gladwell. So you know, I'm getting there. I'm getting yeah, there. And I, I kind of wanted to do that because I do want to read The Lord of the Rings. And I can't differentiate between film and book. Because the reality is, when Peter Jackson went to do this, yeah, that book is a thousand pages. And he was told, this is on film. You cannot do this at all like, like even the, the rights for these movies has been going back since 1957 um tolkien released the book in 1954 and in 1957 he was getting approached by like hollywood whoever the hell was in charge back there you know they were like can we take can we buy the rights to this can we buy the rights like, i don't know much about the book but i'm assuming the book was a huge hit when it came out oh jesus christ yeah 100%. because i didn't like it so it was a big hit wasn't it? yeah like huge. it was massive so right. like when they released it like and what i love about tolkien's writing is that he wrote this for his own pleasure mm. like he, he he actually hoped that i mean nobody... he'd have to, he wrote his own language yeah. for it and all didn't they? like to put that much effort in Into and much thing like you know i didn't watch that tolkien film now did you watch that one that came out about him and the war i did yeah but apparently it wasn't like it, it, it didn't stick too much to the story but right. again these are adaptions you of know course, you yeah, know yeah. They, they, they can't stick to it all um but so, i'm guessing it would have been like the equivalent to like what game of thrones was when it came out not the not the not the show but the books yeah, yeah. i'm assuming like it'd be well, like it, it's like to understand the cultural con- um, significance or impact. I, I think it was a little bit more than that because this book became the most second world's best selling book next to the Bible at that time. Right. So you had this is 1950, religion's still a huge thing. Oh, a huge interesting. Thing, you know, and you have this guy that comes along and writes this book. And it's not even just the fantasy world he created, it's it's the dialogue which he wrote um in it. And you know, Tolkien lived a very, very, very interesting life, a very hard mm-hmm. life, but very interesting. Yeah. Where, like, at a young age, his father died at a young age. His mother was a huge, prominent figure within his life. Uh, she actually taught him Latin and various other things and, you know, really, really, like, encouraged him to read. Like, he, he was reading books by the age of four and writing fluently by the age of six. And it's roughly around Am there, I like, right in saying, that's crazy, like, so am I right in saying that the language is, like, elvish? He's fully wrote out those He's language. fully wrote. He created nouns, verbs, pronouns, you name it. Like, it is... A, like, you go on to Google Translate right now, we can translate English to elvish. It's right. a recognised language. There are people out there that fucking speak it. And I'd say... I'd say the Latin from his man has taught him. I'd say that gave him such an understanding of yeah. language. That gave of him course, the ability yeah. to do that. That's so fascinating. And, like... Man. That's... Was, like, like you said, that's... The that's passion. Insane. The passion, exactly. Like, he, he, was a, he, was, he was a different mind. He was, he was, he was like, a, a genius. Like, he yeah. really was. And, thankfully, he had the background to fuel that like thanks to a mother who who saw that he clearly had some kind of a, a gift and like you know fueled him right and, you know encouraged him and that's what he did throughout his whole his whole life um and then of course um fought in the war didn't he yeah he was in world war one and that's when he actually began writing the book of lost tales this is where it all kind of began really in the tolkien world the world of middle earth and the book of lost tales is more so i think it's more so like an appendice really um, him kind of like jotting down ideas of this and that. This could be killed. Yeah, this could yeah. Be that, and he was criticised for writing uh, an analogy. I think it's called. I can't remember the name, but basically, like people turned around to the Sauron's just Hitler. 
yeah, and, all, and all that right. stuff. That's yeah. Record, yeah. So like, um, and he, he didn't do that at all. Like he, he, he didn't want to have private messages in, in, in his books. He, he simply wrote, he wrote the books because he felt England lacked mythology. He, he, he wrote, he, he read Norse mythology, he read Greek mythology and he felt England lacked it. Um, they, they have medieval history, yeah. but they didn't have mythology and he, he felt very yeah. disheartened by that. It's hard. It is. I mean, looking at it now and like seeing like what he did, it is hard not to draw the comparisons between like Hitler and Sauron. Oh, it's hard not to. Yeah. I mean, like it's it's there. It is there. But he didn't write for that. He, oh. he wrote it. Like, I mean, I don't want to say it was escapism from. No, but it definitely was. I mean, because obviously he's going through world war one yeah. like you know like some of the shit he must have seen man oh he saw i mean like mary pippin frodo and sam are based on uh, him. based on it's based on i think frodo's based off him and mary pippin and frodo and sam are based off his, based off his friends because when he was in school and in his teens he had uh, very very close friends and they were known as like they formed the fellowship there you go fellowship in the ring, ring. Um, and they yeah. formed a, a group of friends and they were known as the the tea club party and they all wanted to change the world one wanted politics the other wanted music art Tolkien wanted to write right. so he, he he wanted to get into that and those friends I don't know if all of them but one or two anyway died during World War One, and um, so he, he lost his friends so this is a guy who throughout his life has lost his, his father his mother he's now lost his friends you know well, obviously as more stuff is all coming into his life he had grandparents and yeah, cousins and stuff, help yeah. and he, he, had, he had a girlfriend from pretty young on so like but still he had, he had that sense of loss so in his writing you can see the fact that Spoiler, Mary Pippin, Frodo and Sam survived the whole oh, thing. Yeah. You know, I think that was his personal, again, I don't like want to say escapism, but his his visualization of how no, maybe his be. life, not, you know, obviously not how his life wanted to be, like, you know, magic monsters doesn't exist, but it was just, he used certain elements of his life to write that story, to create these characters. And I love the fact that if what I'm saying is true, that he kept them alive rather than, I think J.K. Rowland talks about when she was writing Harry Potter going through dark moments that she wanted to kill one or two of the characters, characters but she didn't. And, you know, fair play, she didn't. But, like, you know, I like the fact that they didn't, he didn't go down that dark... Um, Route of killing one Yeah, of the killing characters. them off, one of the main characters. Um, like, that's, man, that's all fascinating. Yeah, and it's like, honestly, like, it's very, it's very interesting. And when I was, like, so when I first watched the film, and I think it's brilliant what Peter Jackson does is that, at the start, you like you. It's black screen, but it's a very thematic in the sense that like, he brings you in, and you get the music starts playing, and mm. he kind of like sets your brain already. Um, and like it's like a bedtime story. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. And he opens up that it's like, and it's like this beautiful voice. Who is that? That's that's Kate that, Blanchett. It is. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. They're okay. originally they they went through various different kind of. Well, like, like who is she in the film? She's Galadriel. Which one is that now? Uh, she's the one that, if you remember the scene when Frodo's at the mirror and she like blows up, screaming. Oh, that's her, yeah, the uh, Mad Queen. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. that clears. It's all, I found it interesting that it's almost like there's two stars to the film. Mm. Like, so there's the start, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And it's like this epic little thing and this stair- story tale. And it gives you all this background that it's crazy shit. And it's all very, very enticing. And like I said, it's, I feel like it's like a bedtime story. Mm. And then it's almost as if there's a bee. And then they go into it, and not another film, but it's it's a different yeah, it's a different story, and yeah. it's like more hopeful, yeah, and it has like yeah, you're right in saying and like the music brings you up yeah. then, and then you're like, this is the hopeful first chapter, and then you see Frodo and lovely green shit, apart from all the darkness of like Gollum, yeah, and, all that shit. and then it comes up 
the Fellowship, Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, here we are. Here's our story. Well, I think that's like the way Peter Jackson did that, man. I think it's really brilliant. It's like he's taking his time, but he knows he's. It's like he's moving his chess pieces because he knows that he's going to have to use these later in the game. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if I explain all this in the first eight minutes, it's going to save me. So much time. It's going to save because yeah. the whole film could be based on that first, what, eight minutes? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, like, they had to do that because they knew they had to do that. They're about to introduce people to a world that nobody kind of knew about. Not everybody read these books. Not everybody read the Hobbit. Yeah, like, I never knew these existed. At all. And into this, like this, this is a world he created. So originally, like New Line Cinema were like a bit giving them a bit of hard time. They were like, because their prologue was like like fifteen minutes, and they were like, you can't do that. We want a two minute one, and they managed to get it down to seven, mm-hmm. and they managed to settle on that. So that whole opening uh, prologue is seven minutes long. It's only four pages. Fran Walsh had to write it in one night. I'd and just say, get it all in four fucking They had to like, be so specific for what they put in. They had, like, I'd say they had to cut, like if it was originally 15 minutes, I'd say they had to be like, okay, we need to get this down to the bare yeah. minimum that we need to be able to get this information across so the, the audience doesn't feel lost because there's a lot to take and then also to be like, keep people interested. Exactly. Do you know what, what I mean? Care, would you care for a bit yes, more? Yes, please, please. 100%. Um, and then the other question for you is, what does the ring actually do? Like they keep calling it the ring of power, the ring like the control, but what they never like it turns you invisible. Yeah. But what does the ring actually do? It's like a seductive thing. It kinda it's 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 something that is actually hard to explain because when Tolkien actually wrote it, um, you know, that's why I like that they don't go into it, because Tolkien what people kind of analyze as he wrote it actually represents technology, because technology is really, really seductive and it is, you know, it, it ruins men, it ruins humans. So that's that. That's kind of what they get into that. And, so what um, you're saying is that the ring is an iPhone. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, pretty much. That that's one iPhone to rule them all. Exactly, you know. The ring vibrating. Yeah. So that's what that, that's what they reckon he he meant by that because he hated technology. He hated. He said like, right. the invention of like the, well, I don't know if it was the automobile or some kind of engine. He said it's the most evilest creation okay. in the world, and he, he hated technology. So people think that's what the ring represents, and we see that through the books, uh, through the film. Um, this seductiveness, like like that scene, um, when um they're running away from the first ring rate, and he's leaning over and he's kind of like luring the ring out, and like in that scene, like what we think is it's the ring rate doing that. It's not the ring rate's just sniffing out. It's the ring itself, which is now knows it has a mind of its own. It it wants, as Gandalf said, it wants to get back to its master. Is using its whatever magic it has to now seduce Frodo into putting it on. The second he puts that ring on, your man knows no, they're they're I'm- there. And am I right in thinking, okay, so like, nobody, it could just, it kind of gives, like, so if I had the ring on, and I was giving a speech, I'm guessing my speech would be more seductive. It like, would I have like, an, like, because that was much more understanding of it, like, yeah. obviously it turns you invisible. But does it, it, when Sauron was wearing it, it didn't turn him invisible? No, because you have to remember the Sauron and the ring are one. It's, it's part of him. He poured a bit of his life force right. into this. So it's, it's... <sighs> So like it's almost like a like look I don't want to cross fancy thing but it's like a Horcrux on Harry Potter. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, no, you're right, right, and you can cross. But that. she fucking soul. stole a lot from him. Okay, you can, you can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> so it's definitely because I was just watching it and I was trying to figure out the whole film. Like, what yeah. the fuck does it actually do? Like, people want this ring, and I don't really know what it does. They don't. They don't really want it to be explained because you have to think of like an addiction. Like, why, why is someone addicted to heroin? Why is someone addicted to cocaine or anything like that? Like. It's just, it's something that, like, yeah, you, you can't explain, but at the same time, this is magic. They don't want it to be explained. It's just, it's something, it's evil. Evil mm. can't be explained. 
all we know is that this needs to be destroyed yeah. and it's only going to work with one person and that person wants to eradicate us all and because I know in the game we're talking a bit about the game Shadow of Mordor mm. and, and the one Shadow of War for anyone who doesn't know Shadow War is like it's a game and basically you have another power ring that gets made that's a short thing of it um, but the ability that that ring gives you in the game is to turn orcs onto your side yeah, yeah kind of possess so is that more of like like obviously they had to give the ring an actual power because it's a video game mm-hmm. but would that be like a more like a, a really distilled distinct version of like what the ring does like i know the ring doesn't exactly have that where you put your hand on somebody and yeah. then you're about them but like has that but has that aura yeah yeah okay they're like they're, 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 they've all been like um Incantations of magic have been have been put on them. So when you, so when you see the the black speech going around it, um, that, that that that's basically a spell. And so they've casted spells on these things. Like again, Horcrux. You yeah. know, we've 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 casted these things. Um, so that's then these rings have their own special abilities, if you will. Like for example, the nine rings for the race of men. Yeah, what did they do? What are all the they other rings? Did they all have their own special abilities. Yeah, exactly. Like one made them fast. One made them like, yeah, uh, like super strength, some, like some, uh, something like that. Like I, I've never actually, to my shame, never kind of read into exactly what the rings of power do. Just kind of like gathered my own personal um, just interpretation, I guess. Yeah, cool. from what from what I've seen, and like the the nine rings for the race of men. That was the obvious one that turned them into into ring rates. Which are people that are neither living nor dead. Did that did that happen straight away when they put them over time? Oh, it happens over time. So, oh, so, so like corrupts what happened, their mind. So those. what happened to like Gollum in the sense? Yeah, yeah, it corrupts their mind, and these guys kind of faded into what they call the shadow world. So I, I I'm, I'm not too sure if I'm accurate about this, but their bodies do <clears> fade away, and they essentially become. I think like a wraith, like a ghost, something that can appear, yeah. that can materialize in our world, <coughs> and can actually touch us unless they're wearing their armor. As we see their armor, they have all that. We see in the Return of the King, Eowyn fucking stabs your man in the face, and yeah. like there's no blood or anything. It's kind of like this, this kind of like uh, puff of air, and then he implodes into himself, and then there's nothing there. Kind of like Obi Wan Kenobi, cut, disappears, gone. You know, um, <coughs> yeah, yeah. So that's what that kind of did with them and it can only be used against men because men are so easily corrupted mm-hmm. elves are able to you know resist certain elements of that kind of magic um as far as my knowledge sauron made the ring so i don't know if the elvish rings i don't know if the elves were able to repel the darkness because they still use the rings yeah um do they do, yeah, so they still have the they rings. still have them yeah because yeah. they never really get onto. so you know what happens to the men because obviously the men are the nine um hooded people that fucking chase Frodo through yeah. the whole film but with the elves and then the dwarfs like they don't really talk about do they talk about that I know I haven't watched the second one and the third one in a while do they talk about them rings no no not at all because that's like that's all part of the um, so with, with, with our lore and yeah with, with middle earth we have the first second and third age what we're talking about right now is I think we're talking about the, the third age and the lord of the rings is the fourth age um, of this time, so like a thousand, thousand, thousand. Um, so that it never really kind of, it never gets into that. It's so maybe each more so age in the book. Is a thousand? Years. I think so. Okay, I think okay, so. Okay, don't okay. quote me on that one now, but yeah. I don't. They may get into it more in the book. In the film, they don't do so because again, Peter Jackson's main. I mean, you don't need like realistically like there was like I wasn't watching the film, being like, oh, I want to know what the dwarves yeah, are. Yeah, you don't like, need to know. Like, you don't really like because he's so such a good filmmaker that he really brings you in and like the acting's brilliant. They really bring you into Frodo's story that. I remember watching because I remember this came out at the same time as Harry Potter, funnily enough. Mm. And like, they're, I think they're in the cinema at the same Gee, time. <laughs> they're in the cinema at the same, same time. And um, so I remember watching it as a kid and being like, 
being terrified because but I don't know if it's because I relate to Frodo because you know he's a hobbit so and they're like naive and young so I relate to him but there was terror there's mm. genuine I feel like he, he does that so well that there's genuine terror when the ring rates are like so close to catching them yeah like I felt that and like even watching it again last night you're just like oh, fuck you can feel the pressure there you're like yeah. come on like when he's running away from them and he jumps onto the boat you're like go on go get out of there you're happy like that he, he got away like they're, fuck, they're, they're scary man 100% they're, te- oh, like, they're 100%. scary characters and like I, I think he does it so well that I, it's like lots of great filmmakers make use of this is that you don't actually see them you know what I mean they're hooded figures so whatever you have in your brain is worse than what's actually there mm-hmm that's quite true yeah like it's it's, it's again it's evil you, you don't evil know what it is yeah, it okay. doesn't have it's like and I love the fact it's a dark shadow it's mm-hmm. it's this haunting it's like you know you're in your room you see a shadow you get a bit of a fright what was you're that like, what you can't help but your mind may go to places you don't want it to go oh, what the hell is that, was that? here you know yeah. Um, but I, yeah it's like I mean another thing I kind of wanted to mention on this because um, a lot of people um, again they're still fantastic movies and you have to always remember this is an adaption Mm-hmm. Um, they right. did deviate away from the books a lot, like a in the lot, films? yes, a okay. lot. But they had to do it for a lot of reasons. Um, like one big one, I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of happy with it. I think this is more from the actor's point of view. Uh, Viggo Mortensen who played Aragorn. Um, in the film, this is throughout all three. They decided to add this resentment for Aragorn about claiming the throne. He, none like he's none of that's in the book apparently he claims it very happily oh, does he? <laughs> yeah and as well the the sword that he gets forged in return to king the shards of narsil and uh, flame of the west um that's actually already reforged and he has it with him right from the fellowship right. of the ring um so he has that so they did for cinematic reasons they did have to kind of create their own I mean, like he makes adaption it with. makes more sense yes it makes sense it, it makes sense that aragon like everybody like in all films your main hero, who if they're ever going to be a king, they need to be a begrudging king. Exactly. Because yeah. if he's a king, like by the end of the film, they're just accepting it, and they're like, "Yeah, I'll take it." I've never watched a film where um, there's somebody that's like going to be the young king, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm going to be a great king, yeah. and I'm going to accept this, and I'm going to redo exactly, it." And then they, yeah, they're usually all shy kings. Yeah, there has to be something of like oh, no, a journey that, that gets them there. That's a big fucking thing to, to, to take on. So they did do that. Another one was, um, so the, we'll talk about, like, uh, I don't want to describe, like, a book point of view, the film point of view, when we see, you know, when Gandalf shows up to the Shire, they have Bilbo's birthday, Bilbo does the ring, yeah. they have a bit of a talk, and then Gandalf goes to pick it up, you know, and that little Sauron image pops up, yeah. and he kind of senses the evil, so he goes to do investigating. So he goes down to Minas Tirith, so-and-so, in the book, by the time he leaves, and then when he comes back, in the film, we see him coming out it's from only, the darkness it's only a, bit like two days, it's a yeah. secret is it safe in the film they don't actually tell you how long that is I for some reason just imagine eight months in the book it's 17 years man I thought it was fucking two days no, no man no. I thought it was two days yeah. well he has to go all the way down to Minas Tirith and that's like that's like to, to, to give you a grand scale of how big this world is through the whole three films from the time they left the Shire to the time they got back was a year and four months and that's in the film timeline Right. So that took a year and four months. So he had to gallop all the way down to Minas Tirith. So that's going to take a while. So in my mind, I, this is me making this up. I just always just made it up as a kid. I was like eight, nine, ten months. In the book, it was actually 17 years. And there's a massive storyline in that of Frodo moving to Buckland. This is actually how we meet Merry and Pippin. In the film, we see meet them in uh, your man in the farmer's crop field yeah. when they're when they're robbing the, the way, yeah, yeah. That's where we meet them in the book. We actually get introduced introduced to them. 
through this scene. Yeah. So I don't know how many chapters that is, and a lot of characters were cut out. Um, so uh, yeah. they did deviate for cinematic I, I reasons. I thought it was, uh, but, I honestly thought it was just like two days, man. Yeah, I mean, that's not, and it could be anything for us. It's never explained. It could yeah, be like, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a world of fantasy. It's Gandalf the wizard, for fuck's sake. Yeah. He could probably do a spell and the fucking horse can do a hundred and million miles, miles an hour. <laughs> I like um, how he makes Gandalf, like with all the camera angles, he just makes Gandalf taller. Oh, you know yeah. I mean? Yeah, that and was that's really all smart. just done through camera angles. Like, Rather if you really effects, yeah. look at it, but like even like, like even like the way that they cut it, like I know there's like special effects in it as well, but it's just, it's so well done. It is. It's, like it's, it's very incredibly, very incredibly well done. Like there's never, so this film now is 19 years old and there was like, there was one, there's only one part, part where I was like, oh, well, that's very CGI. Yeah. Um, and it's the part where Legolas gets on top of the the troll, yeah, and the troll, yeah, 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 and you yeah. can clearly see that they didn't, they didn't want to do that. He but, looks like Plato, but like yeah. other than that, like I was just watching it, being like, it's really fantastically done, yeah. nice, you know. Um, and you can see there's a lot of love and care put into it. Oh, 100 percent. Again, when making these movies, um, Peter Jackson said to everyone, the actors, the cast, so they get sorry, the cast, the production team, the the the, the costume department, and the art department. He told them all. Again, we have basically what we're doing here is we're telling a true story. This actually happened. This is mythology. Well, not mythology is real, but he, yeah. he, he Tolkien believed he it was real. To like so he thing. told everyone to imagine it was real. And a very interesting thing what he did with the actors as well was, and this is where I think the Aragorn thing came into play from Viggo Mortensen about resenting, is that before big scenes or any scene that they start filming, he calls all the actors over to their house, right? Every single day that mm-hmm. script was getting rewritten. Start right. to finish, constantly rewritten because he calls the actors over. Kevin's playing Aragorn. I'm Peter Jackson. We read over your lines, and then I ask you, would Aragorn say that? Do you think Aragorn might say something different? Do you think Aragorn might feel different? And of course, well, Viggo Mortensen being a, a ridiculously good actor, and he did a bit of method acting as well. Um, really got into the role, and would have been like, yeah, yeah, same as Elijah Wood, Sean Astin, Billy Boyd, anyone. Every yeah. actor was pulled aside, read the lines, and if they felt like their character would say something different they'd shoot ideas out and not every idea was accepted he said it himself some ideas were good some ideas were bad yeah. that was that but they allowed the actors to really get into this role because if me and you do a, a play about i don't know a, a troy and you know you're you're playing achilles we know achilles existed through legends and myths i can't tell you what achilles taught it like you know so yeah. you're the actor i have to allow you to, to do your do research and get in there so this is your role and the fact that he allowed them to do that I think is incredible. It makes it more realistic, if you will. Like it's these people sitting there, and uh, Vigo Morten is not sitting there going, "Oh, Aragorn." He's thinking, "I'm Aragorn." He's thinking this person lived, mm-hmm. and I think that's what helps with the authenticity. And of course, like I said, they did that in the costume. So I'm doing costumes for the uh, characters. They went back and looked at real world history because they had to imagine this is real. Didn't directly copy, but took elements of, of medieval times okay. exactly, and they incorporated that. Uh, all the all the swords and armor we see in those movies are all made by actual blacksmiths. Wow. It's all real swords, and of course, it's very clever in how the real the, the realisticness of it, like the orcs, uh, 
weapons are very clunky and ugly and evil looking. The elves mm-hmm. are very stylish, beautiful, beautiful, and very glamour. And like their hair is perfect yeah, and everything. Yeah, you know, very like specific detail. Yeah, like, like, you know? every look, like because these were cultures. Tolkien wrote cultures and races and and and, and, and different, different species. Yeah, yeah, and like they all would have their own, like the way our world exists. Yeah, you know, like he he literally created his, his own world, and they uh, captured that to the best that they could. And like I said earlier. It was it was unfilmable, um. So, the first film, the first film company to agree to this was Miramax, and they said they wanted it all done, all three done in one movie. Interesting. One movie, and Peter Jackson was like, "We can't do that," and they were on their last legs, and they nearly agreed to it until I think it was Fran Walsh managed to get a friend from New Line Cinema to listen to them. So they prepared what they could, went in with two movies. And they presented themselves and said, "We yeah, we want to do this two films. This is this is what we want to do. Make it as real. Told them how they wanted to approach it. So everything I just explained. And New Line Cinema were like, let's just do three films. And like that basically saved it. Like, yeah, it really, really saved Deadly. it because if it was one movie, oh, I mean, there's so like, many. Be, I mean, if you look terrible. at like, there's so many films, film book to film adaptations that suffer so badly." And it's interesting, like they suffer so badly because they try and squeeze everything too much yeah. into the first film. But also, they spend the majority of the first film trying to set up those other two films. Do you mm. know what I mean? And this film does that. Like, there's never a moment where I'm like, okay, he's he's clearly building. Like, yeah. you know, he's clearly preparing. He's clearly like getting ready for things. Like, like even the ending, like you know, like it's a cool ending, like you know. But you're not, like you know. If you only got one of these, you'd be fucking pissed off. Oh yeah, you'd be like, "What the fuck?" Like, so one more. I, I he he strikes the perfect balance mm-hmm. between creating his own film but just setting up the world. Yeah, because if this was a flop, this would have been the only one. Exactly, got. exactly. Do you know what I mean? I mean like they would have been like, invested. "Fuck, pull the plug. We're not fucking um doing this." Do you like, know what like, I mean? Like, this was released in right, two thousand one, right? They started production as in nineteen ninety six. Like 1996, they started. So, like, they, they went to Weta Workshop, who um, Richard Taylor runs that in New Zealand. And, like, they were the guys that made all the armor. They got their costumes in. Um, casting, oh, my God, man. The casting, like, I think we got very lucky at how this all went down. Yeah, I think like, there was some mad shit. There was, the like, there was, like, some of the people they wanted to play. So, obviously, like, this just shows you how the business works. And this is actually really interesting as well. So, Obviously, when New Line got involved, so you know, as we see today, it's whoever is hot and whoever relevant, relevant, and we want them in there. So they pitched it to Daniel Day Lewis to play Aragorn. Wow. Not his cup of tea because Imagine he doesn't Daniel like Day doing Day feature length films. Imagine I know. Daniel Day Lewis. Which would have fucking, fucking watched Which would have been good. That couldn't would have fucking yeah. went to, he would have went to lived in the fucking middle of oh, nowhere. Imagine, imagine him being so method. Like, he wouldn't have survived. <laughs> man, I mean, I suppose he did it for Lincoln. But yeah. In a fantasy world, yeah, I suppose he wouldn't have done it. Probably yeah, because he, he said like those kind of big fantasy movies, they're just not his cup of tea. He like, said that himself. Because how can you, I suppose, be a, um, how can you do that? Like, how could you, how could yeah. you method being in a um, fancy world? Sean Connery, I love this stuff. Sean Connery was offered the position Connery. of uh, Gandalf, but turned the town because he didn't understand the script. And he read the books and just didn't get it. Now, what we mean by didn't get it, fantasy's not his thing. Yeah. But you could he wouldn't make a great kind of You could just, you could just picture him in his study, like reading this. Actually, take a 
he said, Julie going mad on a fire. Ridiculous. Makes no sense. Why is it about I'm James Bond, for heaven's sake. Who do I sleep with the Hobbit show? You know, you can just picture me. just doing terrible shows. Terrible shows. Even at that, can you imagine that? Ooh, Sean North Posh. Um, Patrick Stewart was offered the role of Gandalf as well but turned it down I think maybe due to I think he was going to X-Men or something like that um, and then of course um, there was an Irish actor I can't remember his name was actually cast as Aragorn uh, Stewart yeah. something oh, Stewart something and he was there were four days into filming and they stopped because Peter Jackson just looked at him and was like you're not the right height okay so then they then they contact Vigo Mortensen. Like, literally, they're already in New Zealand filming. Everyone's there. They've no Aragorn. And they rang him. He's, like, somewhere in America, I think. And they rang him, and they're like, here, look. Stair um, Townsend. Stair Townsend, yeah. yeah excellent. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, so they had, like, they basically rang Vigo Mortensen, and they were just like, um, yeah, do you want to pack your bags and come to New Zealand and, like, do this film? And he was never read The Lord of the Rings. had no idea what this was. Never knew Peter Jackson. And it was actually his son, Henry, who was a massive Lord of the Rings fan had and asked him was that about the Lord of the Rings and he was like yeah and he's like go do it go do it so basically thanks to like his son we got Viggo Mortensen on, man, on board with this role you gotta like or you have to kind of feel for your man Stuart like, like man imagine like so that would have been months months of preparation for him mm-hmm. like what probably probably six months in New Zealand learning how to fight learning how to do all everything, that shit yeah. everything and four days in you get told you're not tall enough like that's Fucked, man. Like, like, Peter, like I would have been like, like that's like Peter Jackson. Come on, like look, you made a great yeah. film, but like, like, I don't know the policies when it comes to the legal rights of film. Like you know when you get hired for like, a regular job and like unfair dismissal. That's crazy, man. <laughs> you know? Four days, like that's I'd, ridiculous. Oh, I say, like your heart would be broken. And I, I put all that work into yeah, it. Like that's it's like and then the commitment and like there was there's so many other actors that couldn't go down like. Uma Thurman was supposed to play Galadriel but couldn't commit to it because they had to commit for two years in New Zealand basically to relocate there and she couldn't commit because she just had a child and her husband at the time Ethan Hawke was supposed to go play a character as well and they all backed out for their own reasons but it's still like I mean man it's a big commitment like like it's it's the equivalent to like if you're a business person and they're like here will you we need you to move to Hawaii we have this huge account that we need to take care of and if you make this account you're done yeah. but I need you to take two years out of your life that's, that's and huge. move away bring your kids Massive. out everything uplift your entire life for two years like you know so you're weighing it up you're like look this is gonna make me career but also personally yeah. man it's huge it's huge sad read about like interviews with her but apparently like, even only in 2019 she was talking how it was the worst decision of her life I'm like oh my you may kill Bill relax yeah they're just as good <laughs> you know, like you had a fucking good yeah, run she still like, has a good run yeah, like, I hope she listens to this, Kevin. I hope we make her day. You're doing all right. You're doing all right. You're dressed up as you for Halloween this year. You're doing good. Maybe a go. Yeah, so like I can see like obviously the commitment levels. um, Like I remember watching some of the documentaries and like, like, because they actually, it's actually anyone listening. Jesus, like go onto YouTube, watch the behind the scenes. So you can go into black holes, can you? It's incredible. Like while they were filming this, they had a film crew filming them filming all this and going through behind the scenes and like this is how i know a lot of my knowledge from from, yeah, from, from, from watching that. these and it was not a walk in the park like, especially when it came throughout the whole films there was so many injuries uh the scene towards the end fellowship when sean astin is uh, playing samwise Gamgee runs into the water he's like frodo um 
three or four hours beforehand, they had scuba divers going around the lake, making sure nothing was there. Happy days. Someone oh, didn't do their shit. job right. He ran in. He's got the prosthetics on the, the hobby feet and stood in a bit of glass that went right through his foot. Oh, and it's nasty because they show the actual scene where it happens and you see him run in and he just he stops and he has his hands on the yoke and his head's down hands are on the boat and he's just like shaking his head like mm, no not good um Vigo Mortensen playing Aragorn um during the scene fight scene uh, up on uh, I think it's Amon Hen his place is called so it's just been thrown it takes out a sword it's blue he's all like run run yeah. and all the Urukai come down the scene where he runs up the stairs and he's fighting them off he jumps off to jump on top of them the hilt of his sword chipped his tooth off oh, him like an absolute fucking champion just, kept just turned around to Peter Jackson Peter Jackson was like we, we, we gotta take it to uh, a dentist and he's like just glue it on let's get this scene done and he's like no 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 just glue it on let's get this scene done so they glued his tooth on he finished the scene with his tooth fucking glued on then they took him to the dentist crazy man. what an absolute trooper and of course we have another we'll, we'll save the other easter egg for later but yeah. <laughs> the two towers yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. well like Back in the film when I was watching it, does is the reason that he gives it to Frodo because Frodo doesn't have any powers? Is that the reason that they give it keep it with the hobbits? Is it because like look, what's a hobbit gonna do? I think it's because they're just whatever magical abilities existed in them, they have like they say it themselves, they have such resilience to the ring. Um like it didn't corrupt Bilbo too much. Bilbo still lived a very normal life in Bag End for sixty years, he just went about his business. But Gollum, which is funny because in the film because um, like I'm saying when I watch this like I didn't know until the third film or in the second film that Gollum was a fucking hobbit yeah, yeah like the f- the like that's crazy mm. to me because like the first film they don't talk they don't talk about that at all they say the creature name Gollum the yeah, creature yeah. name and so I was like what is it like Gollum terrified me as a kid man. Yeah, like I like my brother used to like do the voice came, like oh yeah, God, 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 like, stop you know Randy <laughs> came up with that well, his cat was coughing up a hairball oh jeez like, <laughs> that's where well, he came up with that yeah I mean that was the thing I was like could they just give it to him um, but I was assuming that was it but that makes sense Didn't, and here what's the story with with the orc buried in the ground like do you know the way they find that big fucker what's his name oh Lurtz honestly I'm not too sure about that that's a question I've always like had and never looked into it like, like I think the, the film's good in the sense as well that it because it's fantasy a lot of these questions that you have you're kind of like nah, sorry like yeah. you know what I mean like I've never really wanted to like, like the questions I'm asking you now like you know what I mean like I've, know, I've yeah, never really yeah. been I'm like I don't really need to know what's the other yeah. rings I don't really need to know why they're giving a Frodo I don't really need to know why there's all these monsters buried in the ground because it's a fantasy film but also I'm more interested in all the other shit that's going on yeah I always find that you have to have that fantasy mind you need to draw those conclusions yourself if you try to find too much logic in it it's just a, a downward spiral and you'll never be able to like figure it out unless you actually look it up like I yeah. never looked that up because to me it was just they just they're evil they, they come from the earth they spawn from the earth like they, they talk about it though they were once elves tortured yeah mutilated. they talk a little bit about that and yeah. what I always kind of thought was maybe these are people that were you know captured and transformed into these things um that's where it comes to my mind but I presume you know they have are like similar kind of um biology uh, you know they they, yeah. they they have they can mate they can whatever yeah you yeah. know or as Gimli no. Gimli explains dwarfs there are no dwarf women they just spring up out of the ground you know maybe that's what these guys do <laughs> I, I don't know 
Uh, something I never kind of looked into because yeah, not... maybe the book will explain it, maybe not. Maybe not. it's just left to our yeah. own imagination. Which, which is fair. Which is fair, yeah. I, so you can't have everything spoon fed. Yeah, fairness, yeah. You know? no. like, to anybody listening that doesn't like fantasy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have a question for you that. Yeah. Whenever I pose this question to Lord of the Rings fans, it usually irks them the wrong way. Go ahead. Um. So why didn't he just ride the eagles? You piece of shit. <laughs> Like, okay. look, I know people say, look, I know people give me the answer where they're like, yeah. oh, the Eagles can't be like doing this all the time. And like, they're doing their own thing. And like, like they're like, they're their own creatures. But like, look, if they can take the time to come and fucking help out now and again, surely like, like that Gandalf can have a word with them and be like, look, lads, <laughs> the world's got to end. Any chance. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Any chance we'll live there. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? You are right. And perhaps it is a massive plot hole. Maybe it is, but I, I mean, know I'm being a like no, I'm, I'm, I'm point pointing, but I'm always yeah. it's just one thing I was always curious about. I, even as a kid, that's one thing that popped into my brain. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Same thought as me. I thought the exact same thing. I would be like, yeah, why didn't they? And my only f- fantasy logical answer would be, you got to think about it. So the Eagles, which is then not represented much within the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit films, for example, they actually talk. They, 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 they're intelligent and they talk and they're very smart and they are uh, people of their own their own right of their own race they do their own things it's like the dwarves when all this kicked mm, off the dwarves went into the mines of Moria we're like yeah look you deal with that we're not doing this so same thing it's like you just going to the eagles here will you risk your neck to go into this barren wasteland which has all sorts of enchantments spells dragons so we can cast this jewelry back because they're living up in the misty mountains so it's not the no one's coming near i mean i feel so it's it it shows their character they're dickheads if they if they had to i feel like if they had a show with them talking then that That would have made sense that would have made sense to me like that makes sense to me i can get that if they're their own people with their own things like we have our own problems yeah like i'm not gonna risk my, my wings yeah, my, exactly <laughs> these are my arms yeah. <laughs> the equivalent to yeah. my, your arms so like that that, that's, that makes that, sense that would be me. my answer to that but yes I mean it can still be a plot hole and maybe I'm just like no no excuse, I think I don't know like look like look that's just I just love asking that question because yeah. people are always like <laughs> shut up <laughs> more whiskey good sir there we are she's gonna be hammered by the end of this uh, um, yeah I mean I've Sometimes I do say, like with this film, like I'm constantly, like when I'm watching it, whenever I do watch our drinks, I'm always engulfed by it. Like I'm always, like there's never a part where I'm bored. Like I never mm-hmm. like go on my phone or like I'm always interested. Very captivating. Very captivating. But there are some times where I do get lost and I kind of accept being lost. Yeah. Like the time um when they go into the woods and then... Lost Lorian, yeah. And yeah, like... What's going on there? Like what? Like what is her? Like she's she starts saying like, "Oh, I've passed my test." Is her test not taking the ring or what? She's just resisting that temptation because every every so the elves came to Middle Earth at a certain point in time, and they're not beings of the of of, of that particular world. You know, same as the wizard, same with Gandalf. Is all like, don't tempt me, Frodo, because he like I learned this about Gandalf through my research. He, he's not he's it's not the wizards aren't like Harry Potter. They don't go to school. Right. You know, Gandalf's a fallen angel. He is he he's planted on this earth. Hence why he says in the Two Towers, "I've come back to you now at the turn of the tide." Um, you know, we see that scene with him. You know, in space. And he's so they like, weren't human. No, they're not human. I, I I think the elves. I think they came. I could be wrong now, but I think they're a little bit similar. Where they they came from another another part of this world. Um. So they're not. I guess like uh, 
Um, they're not like a mutated human. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and like you know, and Gandalf to be in our like world, it's a bit, normal. it's a bit different. It's like you know, like because men are easily corrupted by the ring, and this is their test to be all like, you can't take. Maybe I'm wrong. I haven't read the book. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's more in the book than there is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, than what the film and you know maybe the film uh, just gives us a little abbreviated version, and maybe that's a nod to the book readers, and we and they know exactly, exactly what happened what there. Is. To me, it was just I always looked at it as her being tempted by this evil power because the one thing we have to remember throughout these entire films is this thing wants to seduce you this thing has no intention except to get you to put it on to lure us back to his master and of course the more powerful the being the more of a chance it has because they have magical energies and it has magical energies and they i guess they resonate together you know and maybe like put two magnets together why do you think so that it stayed with Gollum for so long like, so it stayed, so it says he's a hobbit. Well, uh, it says so like 500 years. years. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I, I completely I didn't realize that. Um, like, I don't know, I guess I wasn't paying attention before, but like, I was watching it and there was a moment like where I paused and I was like, I had to rewind. I was like, 500 years, yeah, I was like, that's corrupting and poisoning his mind. And, For 500 yeah, years, man, in the Misty Mountains. Why, so why do you think now? Like, I don't like care about like the exact answer of what he is thinking yeah. I want to know why do you think that the ring chose to stay with Gollum for those 500 years keeping the head down on the pocket flat the Dark Lord's gone did he did he did did the ring know that Sauron's forces was constantly building up in oh, those yeah. 500 yeah. years yeah again the ring and Sauron are one right so, so they, you're so basically he, holding a piece of Sauron's life force right there so he knew, so, he was aware that yeah. his followers were building and he only decides to come back the ring only decides to come back out exactly when it's, when, when when it's time, when it's time is right. So okay. by the time Bilbo comes along, uh, the Tower of Orthak, which is um, uh, Sauron's Tower, is being built. His his orcs are multiplying in Mordor. He's making his comeback. This is 60 years before the Lord of Come back, Kazan, baby. Exactly. <laughs> he's, he's preparing. And then, of course, the time, you know, comes and he abandons fate and chances Bilbo upon it. Happy days will stick around with him. And then, of course, as we see Frodo getting closer and closer to Mount Doom, the corruption begins more and more and more it's getting stronger because it's going back to its original source and of course it knows the closer I get the more I corrupt him the easier it's going to be for me to get back to where I want to be yeah so like it's 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 very sinister it really is it's so like it it, it like even I love that like, you know the scene when Gandalf and Frodo are in Bag End and they're chatting and Gandalf's explaining all this and Frodo goes but it's he's, he, 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 he's destroyed uh, Sauron's destroyed and the ring starts talking to the two of them yeah. in um the black speech which i've never looked into but i can imagine it's him going no i'm still here i'm still here you know yeah <laughs> lads you know look down i am here you know i am not okay you know his ego you know going i am not gone i'm right here and i'm ready to come back lad. and so is sauron why is sauron it's he was like basically like uh, 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 an elf, I think, from what I looked into. Like, so he existed like two thousand years before this, and he wasn't the big bad guy. We had Morgoth, who was the big bad guy back then, and we're going to see that in Amazon's um, Lord of the Rings. Um, of course, we've seen it as well. If anyone's played the game um, Shadow of War, which you've seen those scenes when Celebrimbor is forging the rings and Sauron comes in, lovely fair hair. He's a good looking bloke. Yeah. Um, so that's what he is, and like it's it's again it's. Voldemort, <laughs> you yeah, know, starts okay. to get involved in this dark magic and stuff. And J.K. Rowling, I swear to God, yeah, <laughs> just corrupting it. Like. Yeah, yeah, and he became more because, like, and he, I think he betrays his master. You know, there yeah. you go, rule of two. So Star Wars, you know, they all went to Tolkien. <laughs> <Okay, laughs> you know, the kind of way. Um, so 
I think that's where that story comes from. Again, have not read into a lot of that just yet because fuck me, it, it, like this is a lot like to, to get involved in. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's a world of its own. But I think that's that that, that that's basically what happens. So I think he, okay. he think he was an elf, or he could be quite possibly something else. But from far as I'm concerned, he was an elf that like corrupted the darkness and then so and so. So when we see him in the prologue and he's ginormous and this, I think that's just him. And he's smashing cunts out of it with his okay. joke. Would the music Christ. Um I feel like the music I don't know, it's so one one scene in film that I always come back to or sometimes like you know when I wanna and this music itself it brought an emotion on but it mm-hmm. made me like and they actually used it in um, the Man of Steel trailer and I knew it straight away. And Did they? It's, yeah it's the music at uh, the bridge of Khazard Dumb. Oh yeah, oh fucking hell, what a what a fucking song. And it's just like so yeah, Gandalf he does the thing, does the epic you shall not pass boom, and then but it's just it encaptures I feel like the character's emotion mm-hmm. so well. It starts comes in boom and it's like it's just like it's not even a sorrowful. It's like it's funny because the music feels hopeful. It is. It's, it's like a hopeful dreadness of like oh, we, yeah. we have to go through this and get through this. You know, it's like it's like you know the kind of if they're on this film. It's like you kind of hear that chanting like hoo, 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 yeah, hoo, yeah, 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 ha, ha, yeah. You know that kind yeah. of way. Like it's actually like it's it's pumping you up. And but then it's but it's also like a peacefulness. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. And then that like the voice. It's almost like it's like like the operatic voice of the woman. That's like. Like oh, when was that when Gandalf? Yeah, so yeah. when he dies, and then like, and then they're all she pulls, they're all out of the mountain. Then and mm. like Aragon's like, "Come on, we need to get them up, and yeah. we need to move it." Like that song, and that scene sticks with me. It um, is I, as from a young age that showed me the power of music. Yeah, a good, a good soundtrack, a good yeah. soundtrack, yeah. and music in film yeah. because that visually and thing it evoked the feeling in me of like. Loss. Loss. Yeah. yeah, exactly, loss, man. Like, exactly. Like, they're all standing there. Uh, yeah. So, like, I mean, you're right because, like, this and the, the way the camera moves by slowly and and like these, you gotta imagine these, these, these are these are grown children, adults. They've never experienced this. And like, yeah. Gandalf was the was the was the father the showed up yeah. every year. Did the fireworks or whatever he did. Yeah, he's like he, the granddad. Yeah, the granddad, habits. and he just fell off and. They think he's gone, and they haven't. And this, and to this point of this movie, they have not experienced a loss of the of the fellowship. You know, so you have to imagine they're like a couple of months into this expedition. Everyone's having a great time. They, they've just gotten out of this traumatic battle, and now Gandalf is gone, the guy that was like leading the fellowship. And now the hobbits, you know, Dad's gone. I'm left with these strangers, and they're just crying. I love that bit of like Frodo walking off, and like Aragorn as well. It just it just stands a testament to his character. He's like. Gandalf, it's like Gimli, like get them up, and Barmer's like, give them a moment for pity's sake, like, yeah. and he's just like, get them up, like on your feet, Sam, smack them. This is a guy who knows war. This is a guy that he knows. knows. Look, he's, lads, he's saying stuff. We we don't have time for this, you know. Yeah. We have to get going, and it's it's done really really well. And he's just he's shouting, he's like Frodo, Frodo, and Frodo just music still going, turns around, around, tear it's coming down his eye, you know, give that man an Oscar. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like. Like absolutely brilliant, like and I really captured it. And like even when I watch that film to this day, like I don't get emotional, but I I feel it. I definitely oh, feel it. I'm like it invokes, and that's wow. what it's all about, man. It invokes that feel. Yeah. And I feel like that's how music is best used in films. It heightens what's already there. Yeah, exactly. Like, Do you know what I mean? But like that music is that so much that when I was in the cinema and I seen the trailer for the Man of Steel, they use it in the Man of Steel trailer, the teaser. I was like. 
I fucking know that song. Yeah. Like, and I remember it, but it invokes the same feeling. Mm-hmm. It's like a hopefulness. Yeah. But it's dread. It's kind of like a heroic kind of. Yeah, idea. it's like a, it's it's that's exactly what it is. You know, yeah. it's a heroic that you have to give up something to do the right thing. Exactly. Which I, I was, which I think is great use for Superman. But I love about uh, Howard Shore composed the music, and like two years prior to the film even being like in post production, he was yeah. already scoring it. So he had read the books and had heard what Peter Jackson wanted and immediately was like, right, we're going to do an orchestral thing. So, I know, so good. And then the first bit of music they released was the music for The Shire that we sang. Ah, beautiful. You know, it's so playful. Exactly. so playful. Oh, you can just imagine, like, imagine just like, and Peter Jackson said himself, he just, he could imagine it all happening and just, he was like, this is insane. Like, it's so good. And, you know, again, like that music, like that soundtrack is something I just, I constantly listen to over and like the past two weeks I've just had it on my roommate's been going mental <laughs> but it's just it's just it's a bit of music it, it personally got me into like a quite orchestral stuff like you know I listen to, to Mozart and other stuff every now and again but I just I can't help but go back to that because that's that's just my my key but it brings thing, like, but like even like to bring it like round full circle even though like it's like what you're saying the feeling that these films mean to you yeah that music is a piece of that and oh, it yeah. brings it back like you know so that music you're listening to that music and it makes you think the film then also brings you back to the Christmas and then brings you that family feeling. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. It's just like, it's almost like a comfort. It is. Day. It's comfort. It's, it's really nice to, to have on and it's, it's just, it, it is, it is fantastic music in its own right. Um, and just like really helps captivate the scenes. Um, but um, no, the music is, is honestly what does make the movie in fairness. Like it really captures like, I will go off and to the return to King. And one of my favorite scenes is just like, you know, when Minas Tirith's under attack and the Rohirrim show up and they're all doing that chant and the Rohan songs playing. And yeah. you know, all these people are charging in knowing that this is death and the music is so poetic, not poetic, sorry, it's so heroic. Yeah. And everyone like, we know these are all going to die. But you like you want to be there with them, going fuck yeah! I want to be on a horse swinging a sword. No, I'm fighting for justice. I'm fighting for the right thing. I'm going into this battle knowing this is the end. You know. Yeah. And if I was in a situation like that, I'd play that music in my fucking head. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, fuck it. You know, <laughs> just Dino fighting. Dino actually joins the oh, army. You're just there with a gun. Oh yeah, I'd be fucking <laughs> on the fucking front lines right now. Me going right now. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, well, you shut up. <laughs> um, do you think? If the fellowship had have continued, that they all would have turned on Frodo. So I know Boromir is the one that does turn on him. Mm. But do you think, say, for example, being exposed? So say the fellowship stayed together mm. and they push closer, closer to uh, Mount Doom. Mm. Do you think that Aragon, Legolas, Gimli, they would have been more inclined to? want the ring and turn like Baron Mayer does yeah I mean like could they have turned honestly yes and no like I never actually it's a good question I've never once thought about it like, like that if, because if the, if the fellowship stayed to the very end like what do you think would have happened I, I could have never vis- I never could visualise it like that because the way it broke up it was fantastic it's supposed to break up like um, I that's what, a tough one yeah what what do you think would happen maybe yeah maybe someone as to who I don't know with full confidence I could say Aragorn wouldn't you know, Legolas, pff, I mean, I don't know about the book. He it's only lying to throw it on the film is you can have my vote. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's not much of a character development between them two at all. Uh, Gimli, I don't know. Uh, Dwarf seems stubborn. Like, he, he more likely would like, fuck this, I'm out of here. You know, I'm going home. Um, 
maybe one of the hobbits because maybe Frodo's resilience is a bit greater. I mean, we, we see that scene in the return of the king with Sam when he has the ring and he's going back and forward and Frodo's like, give me the ring. And he's a bit like resistant and he's bringing it back into him. And then he kind of comes to again and realizes, okay, give it to him. And then Frodo takes it. Mm. So maybe because I have that knowledge, maybe Sam, maybe Sam, but um, that was only because Sam had the ring. I think, I think the ring would have turned because obviously there's already a rift because yeah. elves and dwarves don't get on. But I think the ring would have tra- caused more of a rift between Legolas and Gimli. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Would have tried made it corrupted them. Now is that without them having it? Because we have to without think them now, having it because but... the ring affects people more in their presence. Yeah, that's what I think without them having it. Yeah. So I think. Um, like say I'm I'm the ring, <laughs> I'm, I'm the Hello. great one. <laughs> Hello, I'm the ring. Put me on. Um, I'm gonna turn those two against each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, and then like Aragon's gonna have to deal with that, and then that leaves me free to fuck up with these hobbits. Uh, as to like who else? I mean, I mean obviously Gandalf dies, so yeah. that's really all. I'm like, you know, I, I, think. I really think if the Fellowship stayed together, it just would have been Frodo. They would have seen Frodo deteriorate, and maybe would have lost his marbles and. You know, it took something the wrong way. Someone reaching for a slice of bread. He thinks he's going for the ring, cut his hand off. I don't know. You know, because he began to get very, very, very protective of it. As like as we saw corrupted Gollum, like in the two towers, he's lying there with his hand. And he's stroking the fucking thing like it's a pet, like it's a love. Yeah. Like that's the thing you got to admit. Like it's, it's, it's almost like a relationship. Like we don't know what this is saying to Gollum. We don't know what this is saying to, 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 to Frodo. You know, like yeah. it's it's poisoning their it po- it's 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 poisoned their mind. Mm. So we don't know, like it's the relationship in a way, a, a very uh, toxic relationship. toxic relationship. Yeah, thank you, very toxic relationship. So, um, I think more so Frodo would have been against people. Yeah, he may may have been turned against people, or just like did what he naturally did anyway. He was like, look, I need to get away from these guys because this is not good. And of course, he could see that the fellowship was becoming a bit. Eh, a bit not going against him, but resenting in a way. Like they were like, for fuck's sake, we're, we're doing this because this guy opted because he was the one that stood up in the council of Elrond and said, "I will take it," and everyone else voluntarily said, "Okay, I'll go." I'll go. What? Who? I'll is, go. If Frodo didn't volunteer to take it, who would you pick? Aragon. <sighs> I mean, how could you give it that? Do you know what I mean? That, that, that's there's what I'm no answer to that one. No, no, no. Like, like I mean, I know in the books, I think he was nominated to do it. Where in the show, in the film, they changed the so that he was the one to decide that fact. Um, that's a tough one. I I don't know. No one, no, no one. There's there's that. Uh, yeah. No, no I don't one think they it. would have went on that no. journey. I think they would have tried to hide it. Yeah, they would. Uh, yeah, it would have been hidden, or I don't know, fucking put in someone's fucking cookie jar. <laughs> you know, no one's thinking. Where is it? He's looking at the cookie yeah. jar. Flush I it. just really like cookies. Yeah. <laughs> Flush it down the toilet. All the stuff. <laughs> So getting a bit off the movie now, and you mentioned it earlier on. Um, obviously, this is a big brand, and like companies have wanted to pursue pursue it. And obviously, with um, what's it? Look, Disney and doing with Star Wars, and they um, and Disney with Star Wars, and they got as much as they can out of that. So obviously, Amazon are looking to do that. So in case for anybody who doesn't know, Amazon is um producing a Lord of the Rings. Um, TV show. Me and Tino have talked a little bit about this before, mm. <laughs> and I know Tino is against this. Um, 
why are you opposed to this? Um, like, do you know? Like, I don't know much about TV show. Do you know if it's going to be a retelling of the Lord of the Rings, or if it's going to be jumping into the lore, or like, are they going to recast these characters, or like, what? What do you know? Tell me. Um, so I have done very little research because, again, I don't think they've. In fairness, what I've looked, I don't think they've. Just, they no, know themselves. Not a lot. There's I don't think they know themselves what they're going to fucking do. Um, I I don't wanted that like even when the hobbit got announced i didn't want it to happen like, the lord of the rings like it's it's imagine it's the 70s and star wars is released and it's perfect it's one in a ten it's i know what you're saying one, it's one in a ten it. chance yeah. of it being good yeah it is and um personally i mean we spoke about this before i'm not happy the way the film industry is i'm not happy the way tv is i just i just think political opinion and messages come before story and um the level of detail that they did, like even for example, right? I'll, I'll just tell you the story. That entire cast and crew, everyone, even the art department, all had the book with them constantly. They yeah, had their scripts, yeah. but they had the book, source material. That was your Bible. Um, and something as simple as, for those that know the movies, if you remember the scene um, in the when Frodo wakes up in Rivendell and Sam runs in, bless you, you're awake, and grabs his hand, Ian McKellen came to Sam, Sean Aston and said, remember to grab uh, Frodo's hand the fans will be looking out for that so I just don't think they're going to put that level of commitment detail everything else in um, I'm afraid they're going to make it very very modern which I don't want them to do like Star Wars The Last Jedi dialogue like I hope that big ass door holds that that language does not deserve to be in Tolkien's world do whatsoever you... does not deserve it it's, it's disrespectful I, I, in my I know opinion. we've we know we've spoke about this, spoken about this before um you have the same. Sorry, sorry. Do you? Because, like, obviously, they're probably trying to get in on Game of Thrones money. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I know oh, a point that you made. And I'll let you make it yourself. Yeah. Um. And I know your issue with this is that you know. So obviously, Game of Thrones is very bloody and very sexualized uh-huh. and very adult. Um. And you have an issue with that being opposed to like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, because like, like, like. Lord of the Rings is PG thirteen for a reason because you know yeah right there's people getting I mean like we talked about this like the scene when Aragorn's fighting alert he fucking cuts his arm off shoves the sword into his stomach your man pulls it in and then he decapitates him but that's fantasy violence and that can be still PG thirteen and the best part about that is it can be shown to all ages like it can be a family thing. exactly like I, I if I ever have a family and kids like I would love to sit down and show my children these movies like I will hopefully if I ever have children mm. I would love to do it. You know, we sit through the whole damn 12 hours. All right, I, I, I think it is good that Amazon are doing it because they have the money to make it to put the effort in that Peter Jackson did to create the costumes from scratch, to create the swords, to hire the people. I mean, there are some hopes the Tolkien artists who I was talking about earlier have been hired back. I believe they're doing in New Zealand, if I'm correct. Yeah. Um, they're getting weather workshop back, so that's good. I mean, it's it looks like it's going in the right direction, mm-hmm. but to target an older audience, I I don't know if that's going to work. Um, I I'm sure I'm sure it will. Sorry, I'm sure it will. But it's just, I I like Lord of the Rings because it's so watchable for everyone, and there's no grease. And the Game of Thrones, like I loved it, but some of the scenes are just. I mean, the rape scenes, the the like, like some of the scenes of violence. It was just. I mean. It was just too much at times. And it's like, you know, we know that these people are getting this done. I don't need it shoved down my fucking throat and emotionally fucking scared. And, you know, and I just, mm. I don't, and it causes controversy and people give out. And this is what caused, you know, the whole um, casting thing, you know, people aren't really being represented, so and so. And I'd rather them to just throw all that aside and understand that 
Tolkien wrote this world for it to be enjoyed and it was not an allegory and there should be no real world anything in this mm. it is a story to be told and i hope to god they just they they, they represent it well i, I want to have hope i don't want to be negative like don't yeah. get me wrong no matter what i see in the trailer no matter what i hear i will watch that first season yeah. i don't care if it's 10 20 episodes an hour an hour and a half each i will watch the whole thing yeah. in the hopes that i am wrong yeah I'm not... and i want to be wrong i really do like... i would love to see this become yeah. something new for a new generation yeah, like I, I really do yeah no and i completely agree with you, everything i think i mean i think smartly if i was doing it i'd be like all right well we have so much playground to play with let's not do lord of the rings let's do something mm. else in that world if they do choose to redo the lord of the rings again lord of the rings again and um, i'd be down for that like you know i'd also yeah. be down for that i'm like down um I mean, there's a lot of opportunities to do like some good stuff. I mean, like, I know it's, like some people might disagree, but I think it's a good chance to like diversify the cast. Right? It's yeah, kind of yeah, funny yeah. that like in this entire world, there's not like one like they're all white people. <laughs> like, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like of a whole cast yeah. and like an entire world, you're like, oh, it was definitely a thing yeah. where I was like, and I don't know if it's just like me, and I know a lot of people would like listen to me saying this and roll their eyes, but it was a very hard thing for me watching again to be like this. This is a bit ridiculous, lads. There's so many races of people. Yeah. Like, come on. I, I don't know. Like, but, but, I um, think, like, like, I think there is a lot of potential. In it. Don't know. There is. Because, you know what I mean? To, to, a lot of good stuff. Yeah. No, there is. Like, what we have to remember is that they are doing the second age, Lord of the Rings that we know, the fourth age. So this is two thousand years. Oh, before. so they're doing. So they're doing it. So they're not doing. No, no, they're not. They're not doing okay. what we know, which is I'm happy for, and this is why I'm, I'm kind of okay. But at the same time, I love the films and the franchise and the lore so much so, that. I want to see them do so it justice. Logically speaking, um, these could be set in the same universe as the films. Yeah, yeah, they, they could, which, um, depending on what way they do it, um, I mean, I've been, a smart move. I've been through this mental stress already with Star Wars. I've cut the terms <laughs> with everything and lived a life of editing bullshit in my mind when it comes to the fantasies that I love because yeah. I, I just train my mind to see past it that whatever way this series turns out, I'm going to have to do the same. Yeah, I mean, obviously... You know, I'm going to give it a chance. I want it to work. There's I an really argument do. to be made where, like, leaving gems alone, and I think a lot of people would say that with Lord of the Rings, but unfortunately, with these big properties that, like, like yourself, do hold so dear to your heart, mm. like Harry Potter, Star Wars, yeah. uh, Lord of the Rings, big studios aren't going to leave them alone. So no, I, think, I mean, like, I think as yeah. a, a public, we just need. To, well, I think that even though I'm not happy about like a lot of stuff like Star Wars, for example, yeah. but like I think as a public, we got just there's nothing we can do. Yeah, like, we just gotta learn you know, to digest it. You know, like, do you know, and I, also you don't have to watch the new no, show. No, no, like, no, do you know don't. what I mean? Like, it's like me and you have had this conversation before. Yeah. We don't watch like we don't really watch the new Star Wars. Like yeah. me and you talk about the um, prequels and the originals all the time. All the time. We talk, even talk about the Clone Wars. I, I actually, I actually like the, the, the Rise of Skywalker. I think I, I went to see that in the cinema and then that was it. And I was appalled. And then I tried to watch it on Disney Plus. I got about halfway, no, not even halfway through. I got to the part where Poe Dameron, Oscar Isaac's fantastic line somehow Palpatine's back and I was like oh my god <laughs> I just like and, and Disney expects me to read a comic literally suck my dick you know? like seriously lads like cop the f- I hope you're fucking listening cop the fuck on like seriously like somehow Palpatine that's like right, we're getting at the Star Wars I, I, no, 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 no. that's like they bring back Lord of the Rings and uh, let's say the Amazon series takes place after what we know and Gandalf rocks in somehow Sauron's back <laughs> I'd be like you know what I'd have an apple in my hand I'd fuck it on the screen and that would be that I'd be done with it 
Do not edit that in. <laughs> I want that in. <laughs> oh, yeah, Christ. Um, I get very, very angry about this and, you know, passionate, but look, film is all I have. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, look, I love your passion. Yeah. So this one, it won four, four Oscars? Uh, yeah, you want to double check that because I know the three films as I, a whole I, won I, 17. Yeah, I know it was nominated for, um, yeah, I think it only won. Yeah, it only won yeah. four. It was nominated for loads of them. It won Best Visual Effects, Best Original Score, Best Cinematography, um, and Best Makeup and Hair. Um, yeah. Yeah, we've gotten to this before. Um, We've had a little conversation about this before, and I think it's an interesting topic, so I'd like to bring it up again. Why do you... Now, I know you disagree with this, but why do you think that um, Lord of the Rings, as a fantasy genre, and it was accepted by the Oscars, completely accepted, like, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. nominated for Best Director, Best Acting. Why do you think that the fantasy genre or sense are films of the same vein. Like like what we're saying, films, big staple films, like, you know, Star Wars, Harry Potter's. Wait, no, they don't, they don't get nominated? Yeah, or, yeah, or like, End Games, mm-hmm. Marvel's End Games. Like, what do you think, I believe that it's kind of like a prestige thing. But like, even, not even those, mm-hmm. like, fantasy films since, mm-hmm. or like any fantasy film like that, that, Really, since then, Lord of the Rings, they haven't really gotten in. Yeah, yeah. I think the very simple answer to that question was that Peter Jackson just set the bar too high. Okay. Like, way too high. Like, I think a lot of the world kind of feel like that because you're not the only one to say this. Like, every time you bring up fantasy films to any lover of film, we all revert back to Lord of the Rings. And it's very similar to during the 70s and the 80s and people reading books. They just reverted back to Tolkien, you know, mm-hmm. and Peter Jackson, Peter Jackson is the Tolkien of the cinematic world. He, he set the bar so bloody high that in my personal opinion, unless people do what he did, mm-hmm. you are not going to, 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 to make it. You're not going to captivate people on such a wide range. Like even when Lord of the Rings was released, I'd say it was just word of mouth. You know, word of mouth, academic people just talking about it. I'd say a good 60% of the people that went to see it had no fucking clue what was going mm-hmm. on, but just watched it for whatever reason. Maybe yeah. they enjoyed the music. Maybe they enjoyed the, the acting, the costumes. I don't know. But like... And would you not say that of the same essence as to say Endgame, for example? Like, so Endgame, that has like that huge cultural shift 20 years in the making. It, do it, it it does but I think for those that are fans of Marvel like if I was a, like I mean you have to be a fan like you've read comics you're a comic book guy yeah. you get that so to you this is this is this is your paper come to screen mm-hmm. you know that kind of way whereas if I was read the books that would have been my books come to screen and maybe I may have been annoyed but I, honestly from I'm, again I haven't read the books but I know so much about them that yeah. I know why they couldn't do it and I know where they stuck them for example you people like Christopher Lee who reads the lot read the lord of the rings once a year played saruman and even he said in an interview and he goes well of course they're different you can't do that like we've done our best here you know and people can get annoyed tom bombadale wasn't it people can do this people can do that but we've done our best and like i feel like i don't appreciate the marvel movies in the sense that other people would because i don't dive into their lore okay. um as much as i would with star wars lord of the rings Yu-Gi-Oh. I, I i i can i can dive into the lore i'm like 
uh, I, I do the Dave Filoni work, you know, I, it's like breaking down Shakespeare, you know, mm. the, 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 the text is there. What does it mean? And you have to look into that and everything yeah. else. And I don't do that with the Marvel stuff. Cause so to me, I'm just going to go see it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Infinity War was by far one of my most favorite cinematic experiences ever. Like, cause I, I didn't read into it. So as an outsider, I did not see that ending coming. Everyone's gone. Yeah. yeah and I was yeah. like, what the fuck? And I love that, yeah, you know? Yeah. So that like, that's up there, hundred percent. Everything else going I, forward, yeah, I, I think, don't know if it'll ever like to me. Like to me, that no, set like, the get, bar with no, them. I get you. I get you. I get your thing. Like I and I understand your point. I think, I think it's a thing for me. That I always like asking people because I think there's a lot of prestige bullshit around the Oscars. Because I, 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 I just I think, like I find it so interesting that Lord of the Rings was nominated for so much when usually the best winner of Oscar every year is in. Uh, an actual based on real life story. Yeah. Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? So I just think, I think it's very interesting how they pick and choose. And I think like, I think arguments can be made by both sides. Oh yeah. Maybe I mean, like know. we don't know what goes behind closed doors. I mean, think about it. New Zealand pumped a lot of money. Here. <laughs> you, yeah, know? you know, anything could have been like, hey, look lads, you know, source out here. We don't know what happens behind exactly. closed doors. Yeah. That's why I don't personally, I don't revere I don't look at films, but that one's an Oscar. That's great. I've watched many films that watched that Oscars and like that's crap. I've watched many actors who won Oscars and said, "You're shit." The only person I think deserves Oscars was Daniel Day Lewis because the guy is a method actor, and as we both know, his poor wife deserves an Oscar. Exactly. Imagine with all oh, those people. Stop, like, and like you know, like exactly, <laughs> like you know, that's fucking weird. I'm sorry. Now, I know a lot of actors listen to this, and I apologize, but that's just fucking weird. And he deserves it. He goes the extra mile, and I think that's what Lord of the Rings did. They went the extra while yeah. you know you know to ask these actors like we said earlier come away from your family for two years yeah come this come come film this you know you know you know the hobbits getting up at 4 a.m every morning every fucking morning to get four hours of feet work and ears put on them yeah it's a lot of you know these people you know when i mean there, there are films in my eyes that fucking deserved it like whether they were just nominated because oh yeah look like that's doing to make everybody happy Personally, I'll always walk away saying they deserved it because they re- they deserve more. They deserve more recognition. I try not to get infuriated when people say they haven't seen them or they scoff or anything. It's just, it's not everybody's cup of tea. But as I said earlier, I'll say it again. Go watch the behind the scenes because the level of commitment that was put into these movies is why, personally to me, they're the greatest films of all time. They'll always be the greatest films of all time until I see that level of effort and detail put in. Nothing's going to change. Again. Nothing's going to change. Yeah. You know, it's answer, just yeah, it's yeah. just the way no, I yeah, feel man, like. You know? Let's get into some quick work questions here. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Standout performance. Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. Yeah. Character you most relate to. Frodo Baggins. Frodo Baggins. Mm-hmm. Why? Because. Oh, this might get deep. <laughs> All right. Well, we can. We can. No, no, no. I know. I, I, sometimes it's very easy. It's just. Um, it's because you have to make a very difficult decision. Okay. This character chose to go and do this. He didn't have to. He could have sat at home and been like, fuck this, you know, and he's just he he, he represents Tolkien so much as well. And um, Tolkien described about going to World War One that he didn't want to do it and his family were annoyed that he didn't volunteer. And he said it, it was a horrible time to be to have such a great imagination and low physical courage. And you can see that with Frodo. Yeah. Frodo's a very, very active person, a very, very loves to shire, loves to read, loves to write, loves to just a quiet, simple, peaceful life. And yet this thing gets handed to him and he's told, if you don't destroy it, all of this is, oh, gone. This is gone. So that's a very, very, very difficult decision for anyone mm-hmm. to make. And yeah, I kinda, you know kinda get that. Favourite scene. I'll choose one for the sake of the podcast. The scene where 
the ring rates enter the prancing pony. So the part when Aragorn literally just goes, they're coming for you, and the music kicks in, the guy opens up the door, and the door comes down, the music kicks, the slow motion of the ring rates coming up the hill, and like the whole, it's all real. This is all happening. There's no special effects here. The horses are jotting around. They get off. Door opens up. The angle of the camera is face down. You see them going by. Smoke's coming in. They all have their swords in that kind of position where by their hip going out straight like a, like a like like a, like an army formation, and they just all come in. The guy hiding behind the counter for for about fucking years. I thought he was holding a block of cheese, and, but he wasn't. <laughs> and he's just like he's like that. And the angle of the camera they have him, he's 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 his back is against the counter, and you see the swords going by and the ring rates, and he just starts then like kind of like praying to himself, eyes closed, and then. We're in the bedroom and we think the hobbits are in the bed and the way they like the five of them stand there and the swords are up over kind of their faces and very slowly, like these things are fucking terrifying looking, yeah. very slowly kind of walking around and like they do the scene of Sam lying in bed and we think the hobbits are there and very majestically bring the swords over and at the same time just in and then you see Sam kind of wake up because he hears the noise yeah. and they're just going to town at it and then they throw the beds over the big massive sc- that scene I just I just it's because of the music and everything and the camera angle they do and it's so slow and it's so fucking haunting that, that, like, like, that's a good one yeah I just I just I really love that scene like the ring rates every scene with the ring rates is they honestly are my favourite part um, um, yeah. alright what's uh, your favourite line Yes, um, very, very, very easy answer because it's uh, a line that honestly um, has helped me throughout many uh, things in my life and I think is very relevant to what's going on right now and in the world for everyone that's suffering and going on with everything that's happening, of course. Yeah. And it's the scene when Frodo stands there and he says, I wish that this has never happened to me. I wish that none of this, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish that this has never happened. And then Gandalf just comes into his head so do all who live to see such times yeah but that is not for them to decide all we can decide is what to do with the time that is given to us and i think that's such a great line to say to anybody that's suffering from anything or going through whoever's miserable what's going on right now because such like i remember just so many moments in my life where you know you're just just like And I just, that always got me true. Yeah, that, like, that kind of broaches on the last question. Oh, sorry, question. sorry, sorry. The last question um, is, what impact do you think the film had socially, first part? And then what part, what impact do you think the film had personally, second part? Okay, socially, I mean, um, I don't, I don't say it revolutionized cinema, but no, Star Wars did that. And Star Wars will always hold that title, what George Lucas did. Oh, he he yeah, inspired so it, many people. No, like, it definitely... I, I think it sh- I think it showed impact. it did have a big impact and you know a lot of fantasy genres tried to come out after this and it just it just didn't happen um I I I think it it it, it, it unintentionally and still the message has not been reached to this day I'll revert back to what I said earlier it showed everyone what you if you want to be a successful filmmaker if you want to leave a mark if you want to echo your career to the staples of time this is the effort what you need to do and of course. You know, not everybody's going to do it. I mean, even for The Hobbit, they didn't put in the effort they did with these movies. Mm-hmm. You know, Peter Jackson said it himself Yeah, while coming to the end of this, he goes, I now know why no one has tried to do something like this and I will never do it again. You know, they invested so much time and effort. So um, socially, I, I think it just maybe, you know, it created a, 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 a created a new world for people to um, 
engross themselves in those that like myself aren't great at reading because when the books came out there were little Tolkien fan clubs there were Lord of the Rings groups kind of like the way we have you know Star Wars communities Lord of the Rings communities uh, everything else you know and Marvel communities these films have done that and I think uh, I think these films have have achieved that as well and they've created so much like um, lore and then of course the the messages in, in them themselves kind of like maybe inspired people like for me myself personally it's kind of like why I wanted to do acting, I guess. Like I always imagined myself in a film like this. It's why I kind of got into it. And then when I did theater, I realized, well, well. yeah, <laughs> not for me, but anyway, a fantastic time nonetheless. But they kind of like, I say they probably inspired people maybe to achieve this. And then like the New Zealand's country themselves, like it, they put so many people in, in, in work. It, it boosted their economy and everything. Like it did a lot. I mean, it, they it, probably it, still have people that yeah, work in the Shire now. Exactly. Like it, in some ways it, it like it, I don't, I, no offense to New Zealand, but I could put them in the map for me anyway. I, I oh, yeah, had no yeah. idea who knew, where New Zealand was. And then, excuse me, when I began to research this movie over the years, I was like, well, what a country, you know, it's the place I will visit one day once fucking Mr. COVID-19 has ceased to exist. Yeah, yeah, And um, I definitely will go. And purely because my favorite films are filmed there and I would love to go visit that fucking fantastic, beautiful country. Um, so maybe it's inspired that when people... Um, yeah, definitely. And then we got some nice video games out of it. We got some nice merchandise out of it. I mean, for I mean, those it, that... it launched like he was. Like the books were huge before, yeah. but this this really um, launched it to the stratosphere. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. it made a, a household name. Uh huh. Like you know, like you could say Lord of the Rings to anybody now, and they, most people know they know what it is. They may not have seen them, but they definitely they know, know it. what it is. They're like, oh, it's something about a ring and a dragon, yeah. and that's about it. Like no you know. Lord. Um, and, a, and, a, and a dark lord and you know something about a good dude <laughs> yeah. um yeah so yeah what do you and finally personally what do you i know you've touched on this yeah. i know at the podcast but streamline it personally and how do you feel that the film has affected you personally it opened my imagination to the world of magic and um, the world of fantasy and um, i grew up watching things like xena princess warrior Dragonheart, and um, hercules all those live actions and I grew up watching cartoons like pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh grew up watching some X-Men some Spider-Man this just captured me on a level that it opened my mind to the worlds of Tolkien this mythology that he created um, and it has always been imprinted on my mind and it will never leave my mind and I'll always invest in it and try get other people into it it just opened up a door of friendship of family of 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 you know the very bane of an existence of a certain part of me um it, it really it really inspired so much of uh, my characteristics as well to be brave to make tough choices when that time came and of course to know that no matter how how hard the journey is there is and there is an end to mm-hmm. it no matter what that journey is in life um stick by your friends be true to oneself um and you know um Try not to get corrupted, I guess, by yeah, anything man. in this world. And um, as hard as that is, and um, just you know, st- yeah, just stick to stick to everything you believe in, and and be you, I guess. That's brilliant, man. Yeah, that's yeah, man. And, <laughs> no, it's just, that's a that's a great message, and um, I think that's what filmmakers. All filmmakers, like myself, yeah. including great contact, hope to instill something like that. Yeah, and I think it's 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 brilliant that. It did that. It's been great having you on. I love having um 
like um, when I started this podcast um, told Tina about it and I knew I'd definitely have him on for this one um, because his passion is a similar passion that I can I can I feel yeah. again like you know it's a similar passion to myself my own passion for the film and you can hear it in your voice and that's what makes great podcasting but yeah. and like I say Tino listens every week so he knows that I say I do hope you have you on in the future and yeah. oh, we will be having Tino on and for the future can I ask you the same question I ask you every week what day is this podcast out again? <laughs> Film Friday. Like <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like, oh, you're recording on Tuesday, right? Can I watch it Wednesday? <laughs> no, Tino, it's out on Friday. Look, I told them, folks, you know, set up a, <laughs> set up a Patreon, you know, early day access. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe one day we'll get there. Nah, it's, it's honestly, it's something to look forward to, and like, I hope everyone continues listening. It's just, it's good fun. Like, I was nervous coming on. I'm glad I'm on. This is so much. Well, yeah, we will have Tino on again in the future. Um. Yeah, next week we have a smaller film, funny film. Uh, we have a mutual friend of me and Tino, a friend from college, Katie Noon. She's coming on to do What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, nice one. Yeah, so that's going to be a great one. Great, very okay? funny film. Yeah, Nooner. Uh, it's going to be a great film. Really looking forward to it. Well, yeah, I said at the start this was going to be a longer episode just because... We really wanted to get into the nooks and crannies. Yeah. We will stay tuned. Tino will be on. Maybe more Lord of the Rings things. Um, maybe a, another special in our future. But um, yeah, until then, Tino, say goodbye to the people. Folks, thanks for listening. For those that stuck around, thank you for listening. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, and remember to tune in every every Friday to listen to Kevin Kill. This is a great podcast um, and it's very enjoyable. So thanks for listening. Cheers. Thanks for that. Bye.